I mean, we're blessed with all the amazing volunteers in our church, and thank you, Lord. Someone say thank you, Jesus. Let's welcome everybody watching the service online right now. Thank you. It's good to have you here. And I'm honored that you're in the house. I mean, it's good to be in the house. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Not mad, not sad, not I was dragged. I was what? I was glad. How I many know sometimes you got to come to church even when you don't feel like it? That's never happened to me, but, um, but you just, it's like the gym, right? You just, you got to go. And, uh, and when you're done working out, you're like, I'm so glad I went. And that's like church, even better than the gym, right? I said it's even better than the gym. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to preach. Anybody have a, anybody have a Bible? Are we, are we still under the Bible around here? We are? Go ahead and hold your Bible up in the air. Simon says hold your Bible up in the air. If you don't have your Bible in the air, that tells me it's, I almost fell off the stage right there. Whoa. Tells me it's your first time, so, because uh, we bring our Bible to church, amen. Simon did not say put it down, so you disobedient. Simon says put it down. How many are fired up about the word of God, amen. Thank you, Lord. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're not going to get there. We're not going to even read a verse for about 10 minutes, so I've got a little setup to do, a little setup. But uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, meet me there. We'll, we'll get there in a second. And uh, Hi, what's up over there? 1 Corinthians. You're like, where's that? Well, I'm going to help you right before 2 Corinthians. Just, I love you, and I kind of help you out. Remember, how, how many were here last week, by the way? You were here last week? Let me just see your hand. Remember I said, like, today was going to be, like, intense, and uh, it's going to be a challenging message. And I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I said, the title of my message is, Should I or Shouldn't I? But I could title it, uh, Operation Crowd Reduction. Uh, how, how to Shrink Your Church in One Sunday. And... Uh, I promise you, you'll you'll probably get offended. You might get mad at me. You might get up and walk out, but that's okay. Um, I just want to preach the truth in love, and uh, and and so catch my heart. My heart isn't to. Uh, I'm not upset with anybody. I'm not mad. I'm, I don't want to purposely offend you, but uh, I I really believe that God's calling our church. I, I think the Church of Christ in general, but specifically new life here in our county, Ventura. I think he's calling us to a higher standard. I think he's calling us to a spirit of holiness. And um, so that, that's my heart. And uh, I, I would just say anything that I say today, I want you to hold it up to the word of God. So you can just smile, ah, I don't agree with him, but just compare it to the word of God. And if I say anything that's anti-scriptural, then you can, you can challenge me on that. You can send me an email. And uh, in fact, write down my email address, steveabraham at idontcare.com. <laughs> Uh, and I'll forward it to Pastor Philip. I'll let him deal with it. So, but I, I, I said last week, how many know the Bible isn't like really clear on everything, right? It's not totally clear on a lot of things. That there's a lot of things that tells us that we can do and can't do, but it's not clear on a lot of things like, uh, let, me just, let me just throw out a couple things and don't answer out loud, but here's just a couple things I was thinking about this week. Is it okay to, is it okay to, uh, is it okay to, go to a rated R movie that's not the passion of the Christ. So I just said don't answer out loud. Oh, 
So, it, but it, is it okay? Like, is there anything in the Bible that says, thou shalt not watch a rated R movie? No. So, um, so is it okay? Uh, is it okay to get a tattoo? I, if so, how many can you get? And where on your body can you get them? I mean, oh, I, the Old Testament talks a little bit about tattoos, but it's an Old Testament principle. Is it okay to listen to secular music? How I many know that, that there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not listen to country music? But, like, is all country music okay? Is rap music okay? Is heavy metal okay? Like, I mean, the Bible's been crystal clear on some of that stuff. Is it okay to go to a club and not drink? Is it okay to go to a club and have one drink? Is it okay to go to a club and have two drinks? Is it okay to go to a club? You know what I'm talking about. Is it okay to wear a thong bathing suit at the beach? If you're a female. Come on, guys. If you ever wear it, guys, if you ever wear a thong, you need to repent in the name of Jesus. I, I've been to Spain and some of the guys wear thongs. And is it okay to chew tobacco, smoke cigarettes, or smoke cigars? Can I smoke weed? Because how many know that weed now is legal? Is it okay to do it for medicinal purposes or can I do it for pleasure? Can I date a non-Christian? Can I date a Mormon? Can I date a Muslim? Can I date a Jehovah's Witness? Can I date a Raider fan? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so is it okay, like in, in dating, in dating, is it okay to kiss my boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it okay to do anything further than that? Or is it just like you can only kiss and you got to stop right there? So, again, the Bible's not crystal clear on a lot of things. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, the five principles I'm going to give you in a little bit are going to really help you out. But I want to start this way. Ralph, if you give me those signs right here. Um, I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers. Okay. No, 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 sit down. No, uh, uh, no, no, no. Anybody that's too excited, I'm not going to choose you. <laughs> Devontae, come on. All right. So you're going you're gonna to stand here, and you're going to hold this sign. Just hold it up there like Vanna White, and then you're going to hold this one over here. Okay? So here's the, I, I've preached on this before, but two, two extremes in the body of Christ. The first is, um, let's start over here. Let's start with, le everyone say legalism. Come on, say legalism. He's doing a great job, isn't he? So, uh, and I, I've preached on this before, but like legalism and um, and how I many know the Bible isn't clear on a lot of things? And uh, some of us grew up in churches where the Bible wasn't crystal clear, but we just kind of made up things that were super legalistic. You know what I'm talking about? So how, how many have been serving the Lord for more than 30 or 40 years? Let me just see your hand, okay? 30 or 40 years. Raise your hand, okay? Look around. These are all the old people in our church, and so we thank God for them. But, but how, many, how many grew up in a legalistic church? Again, the Bible wasn't crystal clear on certain things, but back then in the 50s or 60s, you couldn't, you couldn't play cards. You couldn't play any card. I'm not talking about poker in Vegas. I'm talking about you couldn't play black, you couldn't just for fun or for M&Ms or for peanuts because playing cards uh, would kind of compare you to somebody that was a, a carnal person. So you couldn't play cards. I mean, you, know, you couldn't go to the bowling alley. 
because pagans hung out at the bowling alley. You couldn't go to movies. How many of ladies couldn't wear pants at church? You remember that? And, and men had to wear like suits and ties and uh, legalistic check. I am down with legalism. Anybody else down with legalism? And uh, I think we've made up a lot of things that weren't even in the Bible, and we've created a bunch of people that are just legalistic. Here on the other extreme is license. Someone say license. And, and this is the idea that, like, I'm free in Christ. I'm free. I'm free to do anything that I want. And uh, I was talking to a pastor friend uh, on Tuesday. We had coffee together, and I, I was telling him I got saved in 1985. And uh, I've seen, man, I, I've seen the church of Jesus Christ become less holy and less holy and less holy over the last 30-plus years. Like, when I went to a Christian wedding in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I, I never saw anybody at the wedding drink alcohol. And now it's like almost every Christian uh, wedding that, that I go to, they, they serve alcohol there. But, but not only that, like, I, I didn't know anybody that, like, used cuss words, profanity at all. I, I didn't know really anybody that went to, like, raunchy movies or rented you know, raunchy movies from their home, and we've gone from like legalism, hey, the Bible's not, like to, to, to license, kind of anything goes, I don't care what you think, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I mean, oh, both of these extremes are very unhealthy. So we, we, don't, we don't ever want to be a legalistic church and make up things that aren't even in the Bible, but I, I think our problem is that we have gravitated more toward license, I'm free in Christ, doesn't matter what I do, in fact, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you're not going to have anything to say about it. But I think it's really dangerous. We've crept closer and closer to license, and, and I think the, the Lord is displeased. Let's thank the volunteers. They did an amazing job. Thank you. You can just give them to Ralph there or Landon or something. I'd let you hold on to them for free, but we have another service. So um, I went to, uh, Tammy and I went to a pastor's conference. It was probably 12 or 13 years ago in Ohio. And um, my friend told me, because the whole hotel was all pastors from all over the United States. In fact, we booked the whole entire hotel to where the convention was and just 12, 15 years ago. And my friend told me that at that particular convention, the hotel was filled with all pastors. He, my, my friend told me that uh, one of the people that worked at the hotel told him, who told me, you got it? The hotel person told my friend who told me that the alcohol sales at the hotel, not in the bar, because pastors weren't going to the bar, but the alcohol sales to the room, to the room, was highest that it's ever been in the history of that hotel. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers. But, but isn't that sad? Like when I went to Bible college, I didn't know any Bible college students that cussed or I, I knew one or two that slept around, but like for the most part, the people that were, were there were fired up. But now I talk to Bible college students today, whether it's Life or Azusa or Westmont or Bible colleges, and it seems like most Christians, most Christians are having premarital sex, most Christians are drinking, most Christians are using profanity. And uh, notice this verse on the screen. We're going to get to 1 Corinthians in a second, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 on the screen says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be what? Holy, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's not just talking about one day in heaven we won't see the Lord, but you're not going to see God move in your life today if you're not living a life of holiness. That's good preaching right there. Hey, where are my campers at? How many like to camp? Camp, camp. Let me raise you. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, I don't like it at all. 
No, no, it, uh, don't, don't be offended. It's just not my cup of tea. I don't really understand why you would want to work all year long to sleep outside for a week. I don't. Why would you want to act like you're homeless? And uh, look, don't be offended by I'm not really into hiking. I'm not into camping at all. You can, I mean, you can go out there in cold weather or extreme hot weather and sleep on your hammock and have instant coffee. I'll wake up in my own bed with the heater on with some espresso. And all the non-campers said. So I'm not really into camping, not really into hiking, and I, I just, I, I don't get it. Again, why would you want to act homeless for a couple days? Like, I, I, I don't get it. And, and uh, but you know what, I, I've discovered that a lot of Christians are like me with camping. That maybe holiness isn't your thing. But let me just say this, that it's God's thing. He's, he's fired up about you and I living lives of holiness. Do you know that, you know that the word holy is used 600 times in the Bible? If you include derivatives of the word holy like righteousness or sanctify or sanctification, it's mentioned over 700 times. Think about all, all, the, all the, uh, the worship in the Old Testament was centered around holiness. A holy people, priests wearing holy garments in a holy land at a holy place, the tabernacle and the temple. Using holy utensils, celebrating holy days, living by a holy law so that they would be holy people. And it's, I got to tell you, this topic isn't really popular. Like if you want to grow a church, you, you would never preach a sermon like this. You would want to tell people about the grace of God, the love of God, and heaven. And I mean, all oh, those are awesome subjects. But listen, if you want to grow deep, devoted followers of Jesus Christ and build not just a church that has a lot of people, but more importantly, a church that's deep in their walk with God, then you preach sermons about holiness because that's what God is attracted to. Can I say this? God's more concerned about our holiness than our happiness or our health or our helpfulness. He's after holiness, and that's why 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, Be holy, even as I am holy. God's calling us to holiness. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's calling you to holiness. Most of you know we have three kids that are 29, 27, 25, but when I, just think for a second. Just imagine our kids were 10, 12, or 14, and my wife is going to cook this big dinner, and, and it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. She said, hey, I'm going to make this incredible dinner tonight at 6 o'clock, but i got to run to the store to buy a couple things, but stay out of the kitchen, don't eat anything, don't snack, I don't want you to ruin your dinner. So she takes off to go to the Vons and buys a couple things, and we, we go into the garage and we get some Cheetos and chips and salsa and some guacamole and some Twinkies and ding-dongs, and we come back and we're on the couch, we're just like, and she walks in and she's like, hello, I thought I told you, don't go into the kitchen, and eat a bunch of snacks and get filled up. And we're like, oh, we weren't in the kitchen. We actually went into the garage in the pantry there. We got everything from the pantry. How I many though, that would not be good and we would be in the doghouse. So we, we got the prescription right, but we missed her heart. And I just want to like, this is like kindergarten Christianity. We're like, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. I think I can do that. No, but we're missing the heart of God. God wants us to do that which is best for us. So I'm going to give you, here we go, five things. Should I or shouldn't I? Five things. Number one. We okay? All right. Here we go. Five things. Number one, I got to ask myself this question. Number one, will this activity, this behavior, will it bring me into bondage or freedom? Write that down. 
will this activity bring me into bondage or freedom? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. You got it? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. So here's the thing. First thing, I'm about to do this. Is it going to bring me freedom or does it have the potential to bring bondage into my life? Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, I have the right to do anything. I have, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is what? Not everything is what? I have the right to do anything, but I, but I will not be mastered. Write that down in your Bible. Circle that word. Ma- I will not be mastered by anything. The Greek word actually means to be enslaved. Do you know that before you and I were believers in Jesus Christ, we were slaves to sin? Do you realize that? But how many are grateful that you got a relationship with God and we are no longer slaves to our sin, but we're now slaves to righteousness? The Bible says that. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So here, listen, here's the question I need to ask myself. Here's what I should say. I will not do anything that has the potential to enslave me. Nothing. Nothing. So I I just got to tell you, growing up, my dad uh, used to have these football cards. We used to bet like two or three dollars, and um, and if you bet two or three dollars and you win all three games, you can win like twenty five bucks. To like an eight year old, that's like a thousand dollars. And I was really into it. And then before I got saved, I went to Vegas a couple times, and I got to stay away. No, because it, it just gets like gambling. I'm just like oh, I could get into this, but because that's the potential to enslave me, I got to stay away from that. So anything that has the potential to trap me, to keep me in bondage, why would I want to do that? Now, this is where alcohol comes up all the time, so I'm going to step on your toes. Does anybody in the room know of anyone that is addicted to alcohol or overdosed in alcohol? I I do. My brother passed away two years ago. He started with alcohol, turned into drugs, and he overdosed two years ago. So I've just made a commitment that I will abstain from alcohol because alcohol can be addictive. It, it can ruin my life. It can ruin your family's life. I, I know I wouldn't get a whole a lot of amens on this, but it's true. I'm not going to take drugs. I'm not going to smoke cigarettes. I'm not going to have a friendship. I'm not going to smoke weed or do anything. So listen, can, can, here, can you have a glass of wine or a beer in the privacy of your own? Yeah, you could do that. You, I, I can't argue scripturally. But here, here's what I know. For me and for many other people, drunkenness is a sin. Alcohol impairs wisdom. It's It's unnecessary. Oh, like really, isn't there like a plethora of a billion drinks that we can drink? And listen, I've been to Spain and other places and the culture there, it's totally different than it is here, but it impairs wisdom, it can be addictive, it can be destructive to my life. So anything that might bring bondage to me, I'm done with it. And I've told you, people want to know like, how far can I go? How much is too much? How many, how many parents here? So when your kids are like eight, nine, they want to ride their bikes, you're like, okay, honey, when you go up, like get as close to the cliff as you can. Just don't go over. Is that what you tell your kids? Hey, when you're playing in the street, I don't mind. Just like get as close to the cars as you can. Like. I don't mind if they just zip right by you and you can feel like the breeze of the car. Get really close. Just don't get hit by the car. Is that what you tell them? Or do you say, hey, keep your bike up on the sidewalk and stay out of the traffic. You know what I'm talking about? 
Or, or do you tell them at like five or six, hey, it's okay to bring the plug-in blow dryer into the bathtub with you. Is that what you tell them? Or do you say no appliances in the bathroom ever for any reason? You know what I'm saying? And, and somebody, they're just like, how, much, how, how close can I get? And uh, no, anything that might enslave me, instead of bringing freedom in my life, I got to walk away from that. Number two, here's the second question I got to ask. It's important. Not a lot of people ask it. Number two, will this make me a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Will this activity, will this behavior, will it be a stumbling block to people or a stepping stone? First Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter 8. And it's quiet in here. <laughs> Terrell, it's quiet in here, brother. Anthony Lyons, it's quiet in here. I need some prayer, brother. You writing notes? Yeah. El elbowing your kids as I'm preaching. First Corinthians 8, verse 8. But food does not bring us near to God. We are not, no worse if we do not eat and not better if we do. Be careful how that the exercise of your rights does not become a what? Stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And all the God's people said, wow. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. What is going on in the text? Eating meat? Like, what? Let me, let me tell you. Paul's preaching to a very carnal church, a worldly church. And here, here, there's two groups of people in the passage. Group number one, group number one thinks that it's okay to eat meat that was just sacrificed to an idol. They're like, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, because they were able to purchase it at the market for a cheaper price. So they're like, no, I'm being a good steward. We, we could buy the meat and eat the meat, although it was sacrificed to idols. I don't think it's a big deal. Group number two was like, no, no, we can't do that. This meat was sacrificed to idols. Why would you want to do that? And Paul's like, hey, whether you eat it or don't eat it, that's not the, the big issue. The big issue is I don't want to cause my brother or sister to stumble. Notice in verse 9, do not become a stumbling block. Now listen, a lot of Christians don't think about this. I should refrain from doing anything that might cause a brother or sister in the church to stumble. But instead we're just like, I'll do what I want, I don't care what you No, but that's immature. I shouldn't do anything that would cause my brother or sister to stumble. I want you to look at a couple pictures. Picture number one. It's a nice car. Lamborghini. If the Lord puts it on your... Oh, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Would it be okay for me to drive a Lamborghini? doesn't say thou shalt not drive a Lamborghini. But I promise you, I would never buy that car. It's like $200,000. Number one, it wouldn't be a good steward. I wouldn't be a good steward of the money that God gave me. Number two, you would be like, hello. Must be nice. But again, the Bible doesn't say that thou shalt not drive a Lamborghini. But listen, I wouldn't do it because some of you might be going like, what? Like, it must be nice. I think I should be a pastor. Listen, I promise you, I wouldn't drive the car if someone gave me the car. Because I, I wouldn't want anybody to think anything. Number two, here's another picture. Would it be okay for my wife and I to live in this house? What? 
Come on, where does it say in the Old Testament in Exodus 20 with all the commandments? Thou shalt not live in a mansion. No, no, no. But listen, even if I could afford it, I would never move into a property like that because people in our church would be looking at me like, that's where the tithe dollars are going. You know what I'm saying? Like Pastor Steve, he, he would be on Preachers of L.A. No, so listen, I pro- if someone gave me the house, I, pro- I would not live in that house. I would sell it and buy, buy this building or something. Why? Why? Because I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to people. But again, the Bible isn't, doesn't say I shouldn't drive a Lamborghini or live in a house like that. Romans 14, 21 on the screen, it says, it's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that might cause another believer to stumble. I shouldn't do any. When's the last time you thought about that? I shouldn't do anything that might cause my brother or sister to stumble. I shouldn't eat meat, drink wine, do anything that might cause my brother or sister to stumble. I mean, just imagine if you had a friend in the service that was morbidly obese at maybe 400 pounds. And they're just like, hey, I want you to be accountable. I, man, I'm just having a hard time. Like food's like a drug to me. And, and would you just hold me accountable? Would you help me? And would you text me and make sure that I'm eating good foods and exercising? And, and uh, you're like, I got it. And then right after the service, you're like, we're going to lunch. And he's like, Where? I'm taking you to hometown buffet. Listen, why, why, would you do, why would you do that to someone that's struggling? Same thing. I, I shouldn't do anything. You shouldn't do anything that would cause my brother to stumble in any way. Instead, I want it to be a stepping stone. I remember I went to Moorpark College, and uh, I didn't really pay attention too much in any of the classes. But I remember I took this psychology class, and uh, they were... One of the chapters was on the stages of adolescence, and one of the stages was the egocentric stage. Ego means what? I. And I remember, I I don't remember anything about the class, but I just remember this conversation. The professor just said, like, yeah, uh, egocentric, it's like the stages of so, so little kids, two years old, or even younger than that. They're six months old, and when they cry... Then the parent changes their diaper, gives them a bottle, and they're taught at six months, hey, the world revolves around. And if I'm playing with a toy at two years old and someone comes and takes that toy, give it to me, mine. And then they give it to me, and then I'm like, yes, the world does revolve around me. It's the egocentric stage. You know what I'm saying? The little baby, they, they cry, 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 and then the mom picks them up. And what does it teach the kid? I kind of get what I want. And uh, I just, I I remember this, one of the students raised his hand in the class and said, well, professor, when do, when do kids get out of that egocentric stage? And the professor said, well, unfortunately, a lot of adults are still in it. And I just, I I just wrote down, sermon illustration, sermon (laughs) illustration. So I shouldn't do anything that would cause my brother to stumble. So I'm just going to go back to the alcohol thing. Why would, you, why would you drink publicly when, do you know that we have people in our church going through a recovery group? So you're at, you're at the restaurant or whatever, you're throwing back shots on Instagram and then people in our church that kind of look up to you and listen again, in the privacy of your, that's between you and Jesus, but to do it publicly, then people walk in, they're like, oh, maybe it's okay for me. So I, I, won't, I don't want to do anything that might cause my brother or sister to stumble. Can I get an amen in the house? Because 
1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Number three, will this, number three, will it build me up or tear me down? Will it build me up or tear me down? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Will this activity build me up or will it tear me down? Verse 23. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is, here's the key word, constructive. Someone say constructive. Constructive, it means to build up or to edify. It's where we get the English word edifice. It's a, it's a building. So here, will this show or movie build me up or tear me down? We'll listen to this song, this, this kind of music. Is it going to build me up or tear me down? Me dating this person here, will it build me up or will it tear me down? We need to be asking this question all the time. Is it building me up or tearing me down? Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, I, I got to avoid the appearance of evil. But again, we don't, we don't even think about that. The appearance of evil. So I should, are you telling me I shouldn't do something even if it's not necessarily wrong because it looks bad? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I shouldn't do anything, even if it looks bad. That's why if you're dating someone, you shouldn't go away with them on vacation, even if you're sleeping in different hotel rooms. What does it look like to people? They're assuming that you're sleeping together. Well, can I go to the bar and just like not drink? I don't think so, because if someone in our church walked in that's struggling and saw you, they would just assume that you're drinking with everybody else. To step on your toes. You should not be living with someone you're not married to. Why? Because God, God has a better way. And what is it, what is it look, you're like, well, we, we don't sleep together. We don't have sex. Well, you're stronger than I would be. But listen, what does it look like to people? And maybe you're new to the Lord, you don't even know. I'm just saying, like, people ask me this, like, we're living together, but we just can't afford it. Make the decision to move out. Let, let, put that on God. He's got to figure it out. You do the right thing. Live a life of holiness. I promise you God's going to take care of you. But I shouldn't do anything. I know not everybody's clapping. That might cause my brother or sisters. But even if it appears to be wrong, I won't do it. I can't even tell you how many pastors, friends of mine, mentors of mine, have had moral failure. I mean, pastors that I know, pastors that I sat under, pastors that I love and respect, other pastors that I've never met, but they had massive churches. And just like one after another, boom, 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 boom. They kept falling and falling and falling. And probably 20 years ago, I just I had enough. And I just wrote down like four or five things. Because I mean, you know, all of us can fall into temptation. But we got to have some safeguards. So I wrote down a couple things. I will not ride in a car with someone of the opposite sex that's not my wife or my two daughters. I won't do it. I'm not going to let someone of the opposite, I'm not going to go out to lunch or dinner with someone of the opposite sex unless my wife is with me. I'm not going to show affection to someone of the opposite sex. And I will not discuss sexual issues with someone of the opposite sex. Rather, I'm going to refer them to somebody else. Because I, I want safeguards. Come on, I'm, I'm human just like you. And if I don't have safeguards, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall. Come on, I... I used this illustration before, but the cult, do you understand that the culture is taking us down? Yeah. I told you this illustration, how Indians used to uh, catch ducks. They would float a pumpkin down the river. Just float it down. And ducks would come up. <laughs> no, they don't make that noise. Quack, 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 right? And then they float another one down. Quack, quack, quack. And then they float another one down. And then the duck starts to get a little used to the pumpkin. And they start nibbling on the top. 
And they float another one down. Quack, quack, quack. They start nibbling and talking. And then duck number one says, hey, is it safe? Duck number two says, yeah, it's clear. And then what the Indian does is he hollows out the bottom of the pumpkin, puts it on his head, and gets into the river. And when the duck gets on their knee, he just rips it up and bam. And he takes down duck after duck after duck. That's how they used to do it. Once they got used to the pumpkins, think about this. I mentioned 1985. I got to be really careful what I say. If you are struggling with the same sex attraction, God loves you. We love you. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. I just got to say there's a better way though. Okay. But listen, when I, growing up, I only knew, I knew one kid in my whole high school that weren't, we, we thought that he might be gay, but we weren't really sure. It was a rumor, but I only knew one person, one person that was actually homosexual back then. But, but do you see how the, en- the enemy's just floating pumpkins down? And then maybe, what, 20, 25 years ago, there might be one commercial that would insinuate same sex, but they would never, like, kiss or do anything there. And then another 10 years goes by, and now there's a couple of movies about same-sex relationships. And then, how many know that the commercials are getting... And now they're actually hugging, and then another few years go by, and they're not just hugging in the commercial, they're actually kissing in the commercial. And how many know the enemy's just floating down pumpkins, and we just keep getting used to it. And then five or six or seven years ago, we're just like, hey, guys can play girls' sports. And we're like, no! And then we start getting used to that. We're like, well, okay, if they identify that way, then I guess it's okay. And then we have gender-neutral bathrooms, and at first we're just like, no way, that's not going to happen. Now we're just like, okay, we just got to change the bathroom situation. And then we got more commercials coming out, more movies coming out. Listen, I'm trying to be really sensitive here. But I'm telling you, the enemy is floating down pumpkins down our cultural river, and we're getting consumed. He's eating us for lunch. And now, 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 now we have... We have little kids at five years old are being read to by drag queens. And I'm supposed to be okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. No, no, you're out of the library. No, 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 come on. It's just, it's just fun. It's just innocent. No, the enemy, the enemy is trying to take us out. And do you know, do you know this? 25%, between 25 and 40% of millennials, 25 to 40% of millennials identify as bisexual or transsexual. I'm telling you, the enemy's floating down pumpkins and we're just, we're just taking the bait. Taking the bait. Avoid every appearance of evil. I'm not going to do anything that might cause my brother. It's time to seriously wake up. It's time to wake up. Here's a quote. I, I, I've said this quote before, but I want you to see it. The church of Jesus Christ has been subnormal for so long that when normal Christianity comes along, we think it's abnormal. So the church, we, we, we've been subnormal for so long that when like normal Christianity, holiness, righteousness, dying to yourself, when that comes along, we're just like, man, that's, that's legalistic, that's prude. No, 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 that's normal. Now the church today, it, it just seems abnormal, but no, it's normal living a righteous life. Number four, will this bring glory to God or will it simply please me? Will this activity bring glory to God or will it simply please me? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Eat or drink, that means the little things. Whatever you do, it means everything. 
my conversations, my relationship, my free time, my choice of shows and music and entertainment. Listen, we should, when you wake up in the morning, you should be thinking about, I should be thinking about all day long, will this glorify God? Listen, what time should I wake up? And when I wake up, what should I do when I wake up? And what should I wear? And my forms of entertainment, will this bring glory to God? Or is it just going to simply please me? Colossians says, whatever you do, work out with all your heart. Be the best that you can be. My wife and I have been married almost 34 years in June. You're clapping for her, right? She did it. You know, one thing I love about my wife is um, a lot of things, but she always has in the back of her mind what this might look to other people. But not, not a... Not a people-pleasing thing, but any behavior, like if we went to a movie, is this, is this right? Is this righteous? When our kids were, when our daughters were like in high school, several times. No, go back upstairs, you are not wearing that to school. And if we went to a movie, what, what would that look like? If we ran into somebody at the church, what would that look like? And just always concerned about, and I love that because... I don't know, maybe I would have a tendency to push the envelope a little bit. But listen, I'm so thankful that my bride is like, no, we are not doing that. We're not going there. No, you're not wearing that. This, that's the kind of bride I want. How many know we are the bride of Christ? And you know what God wants from us? A spirit of holiness. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Not, not just what pleases me, what makes me feel good. And here's the final thing. Will this bring people to Jesus or will it turn them away? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of what? See, the Bible says that I'm in the world, but I'm not what? So I'm in it. Say I'm in it. Say I'm in it. But I'm, I'm not of the world. I don't have to go to the same shows and the same movies that they do. I don't have to behave the same way that they behave. Listen, I'm I'm talking to teenagers right now. I'm telling you, I know it's hard. I can't even imagine being a teenager in school today. Listen, I'm in the world. I don't have to be of the world. So, listen, this behavior, is it going to help me win people to Christ? Think about the neighbors and your coworkers and your friends and students at school. Think about how your behavior, your action, your attitude, your words can influence them either for the positive or for the negative. By the way, do you know that your, ne- your neighbors aren't really impressed that you came to church today? They're not like, oh my goodness, did they go again? Every Sunday. In fact, they were at a Bible study Friday. They're like, that doesn't impress them. But what impresses them is that you live your life differently. Listen. Maybe you're not supposed to take a new job. I know, but it's going to be $3 more an hour. Maybe you're not supposed to take it because you have relational equity with the people at your present job. And maybe it's better that you stay at this job right here for less money because you're able to share Christ with those people. Maybe you shouldn't transfer to another school because you can start on the football team at the other school. Maybe God wants you to stay at this school because you have relational equity there. But when's the last time we even thought about, like, what, what, if I do move to Arizona or Idaho or Texas, okay, so you might get a bigger house and a pool, fine. But maybe God wants you to stay here because your coworkers and your neighbors who you've been sowing seeds, maybe they might come to Christ if you don't move. But listen, honestly, when's the last time we even thought about that? 
We're just like, what's best for me? God's like, no, not, not just what pleases you, what brings glory and honor to Christ. So I started with this, Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, I know when I preach a message like this, see, I said it a couple weeks ago, look at me. It's not only sad that Christians, and by the way, how many know anything that we've done even since 8 a.m. this morning is under the blood of Jesus. So I'm not, I'm not here to condemn you. There's forgiveness. If you already had a couple divorces, if you already got your girlfriend pregnant, doesn't matter, it's, it's under the blood. I'm just saying starting today. But so I said a couple weeks ago, it's not only bad that the church has become more carnal, but it's that we, you and I, we don't say anything when we see it. I, I wanna talk to our young adults. So if you're in the young adult group and you see a young adult, boyfriend and girlfriend that go on a trip and you see that they post it on social media, you need to say something. I'll come over to this section. I'm right. You need to say something in love. Hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that. You need to say something. So listen, it's bad enough that we're, we're living a carnal life, but we just sit by and, I guess, the whole trans thing. Really, we're letting 12-year-old girls get their breasts chopped off? That can't be okay. That can't be okay. Because they're going to come back to us in eight or nine years when they realize that they made a mistake. we got to open our mouth and speak the truth in love. So it's not enough that, listen, we're living carnal, sinful life, but the rest of us aren't saying anything. If someone's dating a non-Christian, you need to, like, hey, that's not best for you. Someone's hanging out at the bar or the strip club and they call New Life their home and Jesus the Lord. You got you to gotta call them out. It can't just be the pastors of our church. You're like, well, I don't want to judge. The Bible says don't judge. No, that's not what it says. I want you to look at this verse. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, non-Christians, True. But it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside of the church who are sinning. I don't want to judge. No, no. We're not supposed to judge the world. God's going to judge the world. But we are. It is our responsibility, all of our responsibilities, to judge those inside of the church. And you listen, you got to have grace when you do it. you got to show mercy. You're not obnoxious. You're not holier than thou. You're not a Bible thumper. You're just like, hey, can I talk to you about something? I'm just kind of concerned about fill in the blank. Hey, God loves you. God's got a greater plan for your life. And I'm kind of concerned because here's the message that it's sending. It's just, it's that. Should I, shouldn't I? So should I get the Lamborghini? I, I, I don't want to do anything that might cause my brother to stumble. I want to, I want to be a stepping stone for them. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I hope you catch my heart. I'm not mad at you. I'm just concerned about our culture. I'm concerned about, I'm not, I'm not even concerned about the non-Christians. They're going to act like non-Christians. I'm concerned about the church. No one will see the Lord without a spirit of holiness. Listen, so it's time. It's time this morning just to take inventory. If, you're, if your attitude's like, I don't care what he says, that's the wrong attitude. That's egocentric. Everything real. I want to do what I'm going to do. 
mature is like, okay, God, I might, I might be missing something. Are you, are you speaking to me this morning about something that I need to do or not? I need to stop doing. I just want to give God glory. I don't want to, it's not about me. It's not about my pleasures. It's about the glory of God. It's about reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So I don't, I don't want to do anything that might appear to be evil. And if I do, I want people to check me. So how many know Jesus is coming back? How many are making plans for him to come back? Yeah, 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 it's going to be awesome. So what if, what if he came back tonight at like 8 o'clock? Like what, what, what if he said, hey, 8 p.m., I'm coming. Would you have to make some changes in your life? By the way, you, we, we don't know. He's coming like a thief in the night. But, man, if you knew that you knew that you knew that he was coming back tonight at 8, you might need to forgive some people. You might need to erase your Internet history. Might need to clear out the cupboards. Might need to break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Might need to stop hanging out with some friends. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking legalism. And I'm not talking license. We're free in Christ. We're just free and free. No. Paul said to the church at Galatia, should I continue in sin so that the grace of God would abound? So should I, basically what you said, why don't I just go sin my face off and then God will forgive me and then it will just let everybody know how forgiving God is. Shall I continue in sin so the grace of God may abound? And then he answers, he said, certainly not. The grace of God, the mercy of God is not a license for me to go out and live however I want. So his grace, license is not what he wants for us. He wants holiness. Pastor Steve, you're like, you're not into camping. I'm not really into holiness. Well, God is. God is. And he's coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. How many want revival? I want revival. But listen, he's coming. He'll, he'll bring revival when we get our hearts right before him and live lives of holiness. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us. God, your word says, as we read over and over, that without holiness, no one will see, see the Lord. We want to see you. So, God, we want to pursue holiness at all costs. It might cost the friendship. It might cost a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It might cost a relationship. It might cost some finances. It might cost some inconvenience. It'll cost some pleasure. God, whatever we do, we want to do it for the glory of God. Be pleased with the first service here at New Life. Just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give anybody an opportunity this morning to respond to the love of God. You know, Jesus would have came to the earth 2,000 years ago if you were the only person on the planet. He loves you so much. We love quoting John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God so loved the world... Put your name in there. For God so loved Steve that he gave his only begotten son. Because he doesn't want you to perish. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, people want to know, like, why isn't God coming back? 
Well, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow as some people consider slowness, but he's wanting all of us to repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the reason why he hasn't come back is because he wants to see more people come to Christ. And most of the people in this room have already made a decision to follow Jesus. And their greatest prayer would be for you to make the same decision that they made. So with your heads closed, I want to just start on my right side, which is the far left side of the building. If you're opening up your heart to Christ, maybe for the first time, or you're coming back to the Lord, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to do a couple things right now. Would you lift up your head, open up your eyes, raise your hand and look at me. And by that, you're saying, Steve, would you pray for me today? I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, or I want to renew my relationship with Jesus. Anybody in these sections right here, come on, don't be ashamed. I agree with you in Jesus' name. One, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I agree with you. You can put your hands down. Anybody here in the middle section? Opening up your heart to Christ. Go ahead and look at me, too. Nothing to be ashamed of. I agree with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, He comes to live in you. In Jesus' name. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven here in the middle section. You can put your hands down. Off to my far left, the far right side of the building. Not, not joining a church, not doing anything religious, but you're opening up your heart to Christ. You, you want to follow him. I agree with you in Jesus' name. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's probably 15 to 20 people in this section. All the way in the back, I see your hands. Thank you. And if I missed your hand, it's okay. God sees you. I want everybody in the room, not just those that lifted up their hand and looked at me, but I want everybody. Would you repeat after me, Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus Christ. And today, I turn from my ways. I turn from my sin and I say yes to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Today, I embrace Jesus Christ as the only basis for my salvation. Jesus, come into my heart. I love you. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's put our hands together. Thank God.